podcast, I want to tell you my story. Now, I'm not going to go in depth, but I'm definitely going to hit on the top four to five things that made me who I am. I don't want you to be surprised by what you hear. I want you to accept what you're hearing and know that this is my story and look how far I have come. This is the moment where I honestly walk right into your living room, sit right down in your car. I literally walk right with you and I drop this bomb that relates to you. I look like I'm packaged very pretty but I've endured some some tumbling and some moving around and some things have broken and I understand now that that brokenness Come on in. I invite you into my living room, into my office, into my studio where you can let your hair down, take your shoes off, and really breathe again. And let's talk about moving forward and accepting that our story is written perfectly. Because God owns the pen. I love y'all. And I'll see you soon. Hey everyone. Thanks for choosing Just Getting Started Podcast. This is your host, Lady Loach. And today is a moment in time where I am going to tell my story at least a little bit of it to understand why I am even starting this podcast and who I am in general and why you should support me. So I am born and raised out of South Bend, Indiana. It's a very small town, y'all. It's so, so tiny. Everybody in that town either knows of you or they know your entire family and you're the new person. (laughs) So, um, difficult place to grow up but it was very challenging because a lot of the things that you've seen was already set in its ways so growing up and being optimistic was different because a lot of things like I said was already set in stone for you even though you're getting there like you're just you know I was um my mother was divorced at the time and my dad was not that much in the picture, but she had several boyfriends and things like that. And there was really no preparation, but the necessary food, water, you know, shelter, storage type thing. It was never, um, let me think about my child. Let me put away things for my child. Let me actually be prepared, be proactive. And so me being who I am, God blessed me with this gift at a very young age to discern certain things. And I could tell 
from my mother's position in her life, I looked and I, and I wondered, you know, what has happened to her? Um, because my mother, um, she was not able to take care of me the way I probably will always um, desire from her. But I know that God has definitely put so many women in my life. If you guys listen to the Mother's Day episode, you would hear the list of phenomenal women. And it goes on and on. And there's several people, not even mentioned, but still, there's so many people that have been angels in my life because I needed that. You know, and God knew that I needed that. Um, so, my mother, her, her history is still kind of like unfolding in my life. I don't really, I've been really distant with it, but, um... Long story short, I I grew up in a house where my mother was addicted to drugs. And I think I was really oblivious to it. I was really blind and I didn't know really what to say, you know. Um, I was led to believe I was the only child at that time. And um, when the truth came out, I was much older, that I had five other siblings and that, you know, my mother's house was not the most stable place to be and they knew that and so there was friction there with my mother um having the opportunity that you know she would actually have to give up another kid and so in total my mom had six children and all six of us were taken away because of her condition and the choices that kind of really got a grip on her life that she really honestly never had enough help and enough you know, probably support to break that. But long story short, I was there with my mother for 10 years and I learned so much. I learned so much about life. I learned so much about how to endure, how to stretch very little, how to how to live in lack of, you know, so, so much. And um, I was a very disciplined child. I, I have so many memories of me like being the oddest one and still being kind of like the Hmong people, but just really odd. Like I have this story that um, me and my cousins, we can remember we were playing like uh, Power Rangers and um, they were like, you know, we're gonna solve the, uh, you know, how Power Rangers are. There's like some bad guy and you gotta solve whatever it is that he started before it blows up the world. And they were like, you know, we're gonna do this one. What color are you? What color are you? And I'm like, man, I wanna be the yellow one. And they're like, that's a dude, like, you can't do that, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool, I'm gonna be, you know, whatever, I'm gonna be this color, and I'm like, oh, okay, and what are you gonna do, like, how are you gonna help solve this, or whatever, and I was like, um, I'm gonna change the world, and they were like, no, nah, you gotta do something, like, you gotta, like, beat the guy up, or something, I'm like, no, nah, just change the world, and they were like, you know, you, you don't know how to play this game, and I was like, okay, whatever, long story short, I was just always the odd person, and laughing at that story, I'm thinking of another one right now, and it was, um, when I was much younger, I would, uh, just me and my mother, I would play with this Barbara doll, and uh, we went, she got it, I think, from the Salvation Army, and I was so grateful, you know, the Salvation Army and other things that actually are in place to help poverty families, they do, excuse me, a phenomenal job for a child to have peace in the middle of that. I want to tell you, thank you. Um, I have so many good memories of going into a place like that and um, leaving satisfied knowing that there is a possibility that it can get better. 
But long story short, they gave me the Barbie doll and they, you know, they gave like a free toy away um, for Christmas. So there was all this stuff in there my mom had picked up. And um, for some reason, I just instantly got attached to this Barbie doll. And I think she was a white Barbie doll. And I realized that, you know, I'm not the same color as she. You know, I'm a little bit darker. And um, I said, okay, well, don't, don't, don't worry about it. And um, I ended up getting another Barbie after that. And I played with her too. And I think I got a man, like a dude Barbie or whatever, like a boy Barbie. And long story short, y'all, here's the here's the point. I'm telling you, this is why I'm different. I took a box and I created a Barbie doll house because those commercials were so persistent. If you don't have this Barbie doll house, here's Barbie's car, Barbie's dog, Barbie's lipstick, Barbie. I'm like, dang, this girl's famous. You know what I'm saying? She's sitting in here, but she ain't got no house. And my mom ain't got the type of quality of doing stuff like this, so I'm going to make it myself. So I got a box, and I literally wrote and drew out the windows and things like that. And I tell you, I was content. I mean, I was content. I could play with that thing for hours. Mind you, I'm the only kid in the entire house. That is who I am. I can find myself in the middle of a bad situation and be content and find peace in it. And I know that that was, you know, just that genuine love of being playful, being young, being aware of, you know, it's okay to not have that the way it looks. I can have what I have and be happy with it. Um, long story short, y'all, that's me in my youth. Um, I've experienced so many things. I had to uh, be accepted um, into the state, you know, as a foster child and things like that. And a lot of different challenges did come up in my life and um, over time majority of it was just being in the system and understanding how the system works and what is in favor of. Uh, I've learned now being an adult out of it. Um, there's definitely some room for improvement but the things that are set in stone they are there to help those who want help. You know, and a lot of us, when we come into a place where we're already hurting, we're not really looking for help immediately. You know, it's, that's all honesty. Because, you know, there's a statement that says, hurt people hurt people. And, I mean, to the core of me, it shakes because it's the reality. And people want to sit here and say, well, you're hurt. Get over it. You should be healed by now. And that by now is not an, it's an understatement because whatever by now is to you is still ongoing to me. And out of respect, you should be able to see that. But some people just don't. Okay? So I grew up with a huge discernment of knowing certain things. Like I said, the, the Dow House to me is a very defined way of saying how I really am. I, um... My mother was not to, she, I remember her doing my hair, but not as much. Um, there's certain things where you would bond. You know, my mother never really connected on that level. Um, she was there, and I remember her being there. And I never uh, had the opportunity to really speak to her about any concerns because of the fear of being disruptive or the fear of, not having my voice, you know, and then having the voice and using it and then still not heard. And it was almost like the only thing that mattered was what she needed for 
for her to happen. If I could help her reach what she needed, that's what mattered. And I realized at a young age that that's not how I am going to live because I would be making someone else uncomfortable. Mind you, I'm still under 10, y'all. So um, an incident happened and my mother like got into it with um, a dude she was dating and everything. And of course, all children are protective of their mother. You know, even a young man, we're protective of our mother. And um, my mother goes and tells me, uh, you don't know what you're doing. Stay in a child's place. And forever, I am trying to remember what exactly did I feel besides rage. I, I sat back and I remember just thinking like, what the hell is a child's place right now? You know, because... I'm in a child's place, but I'm making and thinking like an adult decision to protect you because the damage that you want to inflict on yourself is also affecting me. So how do I not speak up? If I don't speak up, then I'm saying that I'm okay with this. And long story short, y'all, I would have these deep, deep thoughts all the time. And I would be like, you know what? I'm tired of thinking. And um, I started being very humorous. I started being very um, outgoing and speaking to people at school and things like that as I grew up and just kept trying to figure out how to cope with all of this stuff because I kept seeing and hearing things and yet my maturity was way advanced and I could, I just didn't even believe that I could believe, you know, see myself in this light, you know. Um, so fast forward to maybe middle school, I was already in the system and things like that. And a lot of my friends from elementary knew I had to transition because I was very open with my situation. My mother's at the school, you know. Um, I remember, oh my goodness, y'all, I sold the candy box. <laughs> I sold the candy box. And because of my mother's addiction, that candy box money supported her and not supported the school. So I had to explain myself and blase, blase. We paid the money back. But it was just a big thing. Everybody knew. And it was just a, a, a whole hot mess. Long story short, so I get to middle school, and of course, a lot of people are, I wouldn't say middle school is like a mean stage, but middle school is like you're trying to figure out who you are, and at that point, I already knew who I thought I was. I thought I was worthless. I thought I didn't have a voice. I thought I was, um, you know, just a light-skinned girl trying to get through school. Hair's done sometimes. Hair's not done sometimes. I love being athletic. I love being in art and music. Anything to openly express yourself and being heard, I love that. I love focusing on my academics because it got my mind off of all the trauma at the house. And um, there's so many messages in middle school that I miss, you know, like not because of my immaturity, but just because of the blind, the, the, I was so blind of seeing me in my best self. I didn't believe I could be my best self because of the circumstances I was in you know but I was still fighting that with humor I was always cracking jokes I mean anybody that knows me I always had a smile like nobody really knew unless you were close to me what I was going through and when they figured it out everybody was like you can come live with me you can do this you can do that and I'm like no I can't I can't you know and um you know it just don't happen that fast don't work like that and my mindset was so like so in tune with okay what is the future gonna look like if I accept this for myself, you know, and I would have to fight continuously in my mind because 
I noticed that my mother's habits, you know, once I left her house, of course, I had to deal with that affection being gone of my mother. You know, what's going to replace my mother being in my life? And a lot of times, um, I think a lot of us, we, we deal with these open spots in our life where we forgot how much I really wanted to express something to to a significant person. And we go through life asking someone else to jump in there and fill it up immediately, you know? Um, I remember having a friend in middle school and I felt like we were pretty close, you know? So I figured I could just, hey, you know, this and that, you know, this and that, my mom does this and blah, 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 telling her everything. And not thinking that people cross you, because I had never been crossed because of my personality. Mind you, I'm just fresh in middle school, so it, it doesn't happen like that, but it does now. <laughs> Nowadays, it does. So, long story short, I um, told her everything, and then the next thing I know, everyone in the school is, like, concerned, worried. Um, I'm a joke. You know, it's it was not the ideal thought of me sharing something so private to be so public. And that's when I knew that trust could be miscued or your image could be distorted, even in your honesty. Um, so I've, I've learned so many big lessons before I hit the mainstream, before I started deciding who I'm going to be, despite the things I've been through. Um, there was another thing, I think, about, uh, I want to say seventh or eighth grade. Because 8th grade, I went to another school, and I ended up meeting a friend for a lifetime there. But it was through a friend that I had already known for a life, like for, for my entire life until that point. But um, I believe it was 6th or 7th grade now, because 8th grade was a different school, so it couldn't have been there. But in between those two years, I remember being bullied. I remember being, you know becoming real hostile in my in myself thinking that I have to protect myself from individuals I have to um I gotta figure out what to do so instead of me becoming you know the very nice gentle beautiful girl that everyone remarked me as before I got to middle school I became this stubborn mean high yellow girl who doesn't like who laugh you know I laugh still have my humor I still have all those things and I'm still dealing with those things and I'm still coping in those things but instead of me really releasing those things and having an opportunity I internally held it in and I decided to figure out how am I going to coach myself and I figured I'll just hold it in I'll just present that I ain't nothing to mess with and if somebody mess with me then they're gonna, you know, they're gonna have to deal with that. And it didn't really work for me at the end because I started to have a lot of stress. And you know, being young, stress is not good. Um, and you're trying to figure out huge things as you're, as you're, you're young, you know, you're 11, 12, but you're thinking, you know, 2021 20, because of the opportunities that are presented in front of you. Um, so, I, I was used to people listening to me and not being heard. So my expectation had dropped. And um, 
I was used to someone being there but not being there for real. I was used to um, confiding in people who actually had no intentions on helping. I was used to um, living in a fantasy world where all my mother's issues and all my thoughts of wondering how am I going to figure this out, how are we going to do this, I I didn't stay there very much because it was so much stress. So just like that box, that Barbie doll house, I would just build off of nothing and make it something. And um, at some point, some point, I don't remember when, but I know God was introduced into my life. Not like I got up and got saved, but just the story about what he had done for people. And um, if I remember right, I think... I think it might have been a church that's on, um, it might not even be there anymore, but it was over there by um, this community college downtown, kind of like on, I don't even know if that's the East, I don't want to put what side it is because I might get it wrong because I haven't been been home in a long time y'all, but it's downtown, um, like way off of like, oh man, I can't even think of what the street is, but I know it's by the community college downtown. And it's off of the other side. Like, there's the the Boys and Girls Club is, like, adjacent to it, that church right there. I don't know what the name is. But long story short, those folks end up being related to me. Like, you know, but um, we went there. And they were, you know, of course, had children's church. And I remember attending, and they were talking about prayer and how prayer can change things. Prayer is, you know, you pray without ceasing. You pray for issues that you have, issues that you, you know, um, you just pray, you know, um, and I, I needed to hear that because I could not figure out how to vent properly. You know, I loved, um, I loved going to school, but you know, school is not 24 seven. So what, what was I supposed to do when I came home? Um, so long story short, I got really into it with understanding prayer, understanding the name of Jesus, understanding God, but me personally, I never seen him exercise in my family. You know, I've heard, I heard people in my family say that. I heard my mother say that, but I've also seen her go back to her addiction. I've also seen, you know, someone say that, and then now they're in trouble. So it was it wasn't adding up to me on how big of a difference this means to someone. Uh, and, and that's really my testimony. So here's what happened. I was really young, and I think um, I might be getting ahead of myself because I, I talked about middle school, but this happened before middle school. I had a, like a, a dream, um, and we used to live by these train tracks. Um, and for some reason, the dream was about, you know, like it seemed like I was getting ready to walk in front of the train. But I was trying to pull myself back, you know, but it's like, I don't know. I I can't really tell you, like, exactly what happened. But I knew I was asleep. I knew I was still. And I was trying to wake up, but I'm still seeing everything. Um, And for some reason, y'all, I'm telling you, it felt like it was going on for hours. And I was continuously, I mean, it was the slowest walk towards the train. And you could hear it coming. It was just, it just felt so real. And... 
something came over me and I said, Jesus. And I kept saying it. And I mean, my lips, I mean, I'm literally, I know in my mind that I'm asleep and I still cannot move and my lips are stiff. But in my mind and my thoughts, I'm using that and saying, Jesus, Jesus. And I kept saying, and it started to lift. It started to lift. And that vision of me by the train left. Like, and then eventually I just got up off the couch and um, I just looked, you know. And sure enough, the train sound matched what I was thinking. Because the train was passing. So I did hear the train. But I was so... I just, I knew something then that God was telling me something. And I couldn't let my my opportunity to be used by him be taken away because of the situation. I know that, that then there was something more to my life because I was just so little, so young, so in my eyes, immature full of imperfection but he still used me and Jesus name still covered me and I'm still here in 2020 and um you know so when I tell you people's stories there's untold chapters there's things that people have not even thought about talking about but the thing is I bumped into my sister I can't remember I think I was about probably was about 10 11 y'all but remember I never knew I had other siblings until that very moment and I mean me and my older sister we look just alike I mean the split image like if y'all see her you would think that I'm her and she's me and that's just that um and we have all together there's six of us um but me as myself I have like a boatload of siblings because I've been um, adopted into a wonderful family and I have two sisters on that end but I have a whole other like load of cousins and you know I just my I've been blessed to have family have that support remember I talked about being rooted in support and knowing what that feels like and um not having it I took it very serious um and almost too serious but as you as you get older, you you appreciate things more that you kind of thought when you were younger. So let me go back to where I stopped at about middle school. Middle school was the area, like I said, everyone's figuring themselves out. I remember definitely being um, bullied. I remember being a bullier. I remember being mean to people. I remember. Um, like I said, I, I went from being very goofy and silly to being very sarcastic and more of, uh, you try to roast me, I'm going to try to roast you and hurt your feelings. And now what you got to say? And that was my way of covering up that, hey, y'all, I actually have a lot of stuff that's going on. But if, if y'all want attention, I'll give it to you because I need attention too. I need affection. I need, some, I need something here. Here you go. Um, and so I looked forward to... Um, I looked forward to school. I looked forward to um, being around other children and away from my own issues. I never, never not once honestly think that I felt like a kid or felt like a child. 
I always was in a mindset of how am I going to fix this? What's wrong now? Um, what what didn't I do right? And that hurt me in middle school. So I got adopted by my first family and um, I went through a lot of different traumatic movements in my life in that period. Like my hair was really damaged. Um, my self-esteem was pretty much gone because it was such a dramatic change. I wasn't really expecting to be, you know, of course your, your parents could fight for their rights, but what happens when you know they can't, they don't. I was just in an odd space. So I would say I was definitely like mild. I don't even want to say that, but I, I was in an odd space. And um, to top it all off, the individual that did, you know, adopt me and things like that, me and her, we didn't see eye to eye. And a lot of times there was things that I didn't agree with and I would tell the truth. And the truth, you know, the truth is going to set you free, but that doesn't mean that the person wants to hear that. So instead of me being honest and truthful, I let someone else's truth become mine. You know, I was told that um, you broke this. Why do you do this? And instead of me speaking up and saying, oh, I didn't do that, you know, I would never. Because, of course, I'm still like a a guest in your house why would I feel comfortable to break something this is not me being made you know I'm not this person I'm not made this way you know I'm the kid that took a box and made a house but now I'm in a different light I'm older and I'm told that it's broken there's nobody else in here but you and me so you must have did it because I didn't do it and um it was a really rough part to endure because on the mental state of me I I understood that my life was not the way I wanted it anymore. And I didn't know how to really acquire it back, I guess. I didn't know how to use my voice. I didn't feel I had one. I was so silenced. Even my thoughts were not my thoughts. They were the thoughts that I kept being told. You know, you are angry. You're like your mother. You're going to be like this. You're going to do this. And um, that started to cloud my judgment. So if you've listened to this first part, I really want you to tune in to the second piece. Because I want to tell you how all of that worked for my good. Because I'm still transitioning. I'm still working through a lot of pain, y'all. And you have to identify that it is hurting still. I think that's the biggest thing that over these years of that time of enduring that you know I was there for um, almost three years and I had to go to court and you know get removed and everything because of just so many things and I want to tell you guys because I know that the support that you're asking of in the podcast is for someone to be transparent for someone to tell you their story and for you to understand them that's what I'm going to give you So thanks for tuning in, and I'm looking forward to sharing part two with you guys. God bless.